0: All right. There's several things I like about Mr. Higgs, but your guitar is definitely top on the list. I love the way he plays the guitar, and I love the way he leads worship. Amen? We are very blessed. I love my staff. I can tell you that with an authentic heart. I love Brother Brent's heart. He has a heart the size of Texas, and that's just one of the things I really love about him. And uh, we are very, very blessed. Hey, let me tell you... Uh, several of you asked me again tonight about the funeral arrangements. I, I snuck out to check because that is so strange. But, Jim, it is listed as tomorrow. Um, I uh, looked at the message that Mike sent me for Mike Mont's dad, and it is visitation 11 at tomorrow and the funeral at 1 o'clock at Warren Funeral Home. So um, that is correct as, as far as the message goes. And so if you see something different, let me know, and I'll be sure to put that on a call out. That's what I received this morning. All right, if you want to take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Luke chapter 24. And I want to share with you tonight. I guess, you know, a you know, I, I long time ago I gave up points, you know, so all my sermons are pointless. And uh, tonight I don't even have a title, although I did write down after Easter. Because you ever thought about that? You know, it's kind of like tonight. What do you do? You know, this morning almost, well, just I promise you, the board says 595, but there were over 600 people on our facility this morning. Just incredible. The electric uh, Electricity in the air. We celebrated. We worshipped. It was incredible. Just incredible. And what do you do on Sunday night when you come back? Well, already we've had a good time. We've worshipped and we've, we've enjoyed uh, special music, ministry music. It's wonderful. But have you ever thought, what did the guys do? What did the men do after Easter? Because no matter how you point it out, no matter how you uh, play it out, a guy was, and, and again, please forgive me, but he was just mutilated. I mean, his body was torn to shreds. And then all of a sudden... You know, on that third day he's alive and they see him but they wrestle with that still in um, Luke 24 the previous verses like I started in verse number 32 you know he appears to them after the disciples going on their way the Emmaus disciples on the Emmaus road they show up and say we saw him and this is what he said and all of that and and, and they just they just couldn't fathom it and he shows up and, and they're, they're thinking they're seeing a ghost they just can't get their arms around the fact that they saw him maybe from a distance but they saw him mutilated on the cross and here he stands before them yes with scars and hands and feet inside but he stands with them alive. And, and this is what he says, you know, touch me, f- feel me and know that I'm real. Hey, you got any food? Give me some food. Give me some broiled fish. I'll eat some broiled fish. Just like he did when Jesus taught, saying, I'm the door, I, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water. It's like he's trying to find ways to help them to understand and grasp the great truth that, yes, I was dead, but now I am alive. And we want to pick it up in verse number 44 because here he starts expounding the scriptures to them, and it speaks to our hearts, I believe, tonight. In verse 44, the Bible says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you, while I was still with you that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he kind of gently nudges them and reminds them, don't you remember that I told you we were going to Jerusalem and that the Son of Man had to die and that he would be buried and rise again on the third day. He told them that several times. So I said, Do you remember these things? And he then expounds and says, you know, keep in mind, they didn't have the New Testament. I, don't, I think sometimes we don't get our arms around that. We assume that the Bible always was. Well, there was no Bible. There was Old Testament. There's the Pentateuch. We know that. The Pentateuch, but that's really about all. There was the book of Psalms. We had some of that. Some of the prophets were written. They had some of that. But they had no New Testament because the New Testament was being lived out right before their eyes. And so Jesus says, these are the things I spoke to you that everything about me could be fulfilled. The the things that were written um, in the law of Moses. And I didn't go to a particular scripture with here, but again, you think about the Passover. That, that um, That had Jesus written all over it. When, you know, when we talked about the blood being spilled of an innocent lamb and put on the doorpost, and anyone who, who's inside the house shall be saved, so, the death angel shall pass over them. That spoke so much of Jesus. You can even go back from Exodus, you go back to Genesis and the garden and, and Genesis 3. And, you know, when, when Jesus, you know, when God said, hey, you know, you're going to bruise his heel but He's going to crush your head. That had Jesus written all over it. The whole sacrificial system of the slaughter of the lambs, they could not remove sin, but they looked forward to the cross where the Lamb of God would be sacrificed. They had Jesus written all over them. That scarlet thread truly is all through the Word of God. And so Jesus went from the law of Moses and said the prophets, the prophets. Let me just read this to you real quickly. This is Isaiah 53. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said these these things had to be fulfilled. Surely he had... Well, let me back up. Let me back up to verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely He has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for his peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all and isaiah goes on and on and on and jesus saying it had to be fulfilled this way my sacrificial death was the way that that men would be redeemed and then he said of course the psalms the psalms you know the psalms are so rich the psalms are so rich and the uh, messianic scriptures and prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of my favorites is over in Psalm 24. I love this, and I've told, I told this story several times. John Phillips used to preach this, but it's a great psalm. But one part particularly is wonderful. It says there, "...the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters." Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. And these next scriptures is where John really, uh, John Phillips really capitalized. He said, "Lift up your gates of, of this scripture. Lift up your gates, O." Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And John Phillips talked about in that message that day, and I will never forget it, how that, that when Jesus Christ ascended, And he came to the gates, and and prophetically he says, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, mighty and battle. And when Jesus Christ showed up that day at heaven's gates, he wore the battle scars, the battle scars, the price that was paid for our sin. Amen? That's a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. When he went back and ascended to the Father, he shows up the gates with with scars in his hands and his wrists and his feet and a hole in his side. He bore those scars. And then John Phillips goes on and says, This, verse 9: Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts, He is the King of glory. And John Phillips said the psalmist seems to be fast forwarding to the day when we return, when Jesus Christ comes, and He's coming back, when Jesus Christ comes and the rapture of the church occurs and we meet Him in the clouds and we return to heaven, that He approaches those gates one more time. And guess who's going to be with Him? His church. His church. And, and, and the scriptures say, Who is this King of glory? It is the Lord of hosts. And we'll return with Christ, the Lord of hosts, with him that day. So, so in, the, in the prophets, in the law of Moses, in the Psalms, all these prophecies point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, All these things have to be understood. And then he says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Because again, the average Jew never saw... The suffering Messiah. They never, don't ask me how, they never saw Isaiah 53. They, they didn't look at the Passover lamb and see the suffering Messiah. They didn't really look at the, the idea of the sacrificial system representing the lamb of God that would one day die and suffer. They didn't know that. They didn't see the thread from Genesis to Revelation. Of course, there was no Revelation, but from Genesis forward. And so the Bible says that he opened their minds and helped them to understand the Scriptures. And then verse 46, he said to them, Thus it is written, and this is important, that the Christ... I want you to see that, that the Christ... He didn't say me. He didn't say the Son of Man. He didn't say Jesus. He said the Christ. He's letting these Jewish men understand the Messiah, the Christ had to suffer. It's like he's, he's pointing to scriptures like Isaiah 53 and says, you've got to understand, it's me. It's the Messiah. And it was mandated that I suffer for mankind. It was mandated. The purpose of my coming was to die for men and women who needed a rescue. It was mandated that the Christ shall suffer and on the third day, rise from the dead. And that's exactly what he did. Amen? That's exactly what he did. Now, he goes on and says this, and this is important, verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness, oh, we don't, we're trying hard at Dorisville to re-preach the doctrine of repentance. Without repentance, there's no salvation. Without repentance, there is no salvation. We have to come to a point when we recognize we are sinners, we're depraved, that we need a rescuer, we need a Savior. And we come to that point and we cry out to God for rescue. And we believe in Jesus Christ and we turn, we repent of our sins. The idea and thought that you can pray a prayer and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior without repentance is totally foreign to the Holy Scriptures repentance is essential and i'm gonna say i'm gonna go a step further repentance is necessary even after salvation the, the, someone called it the gift of repentance is one of the gifts that god gives us that we continually turn and walk away from our sin that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed where to all the nations in whose name in his name this, he's starting to paint the big picture. He's helping them to see that, listen, listen, listen. This is big news. This is big news. That the Messiah has suffered and died. And that men and women who are willing to turn from their sins can have forgiveness of their sins. Not by good works, not by baptism, not by church membership, not by denomination. They can have forgiveness of sins because of the shed blood of ...the Messiah. Amen? Amen? Guys, listen, that's big news. That is just big news. And this, In His name, all this should be proclaimed to all the nations... ...beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. Listen, listen. We have got to get a grasp on the idea... ...that if, if what we preach this morning... ...and if what I preach tonight is true... ...and we keep it to ourselves we are guilty of the gravest of sins. If the good news is truly the good news and we do not share it, we are guilty of the gravest of sins. You know, in Matthew 28, again, we're, I, I shared a little bit with you from the, from the waters. You know, the Bible says he gathered his men together. And he said, you know, that you shall go and make disciples. And you shall baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you should teach them all things whatsoever I commanded you. You shall go, you shall go, you shall go to the nations. And if we don't do that, guys, we're guilty of the gravest of sins. Who are we to deprive anyone of the greatest good news there ever is? Including, by the way, our neighbors. Our neighbors. Who are we not to share the good news? And then Jesus says these words. You are witnesses of these things. Not, not just the repentance and forgiveness of sins, but you're witnesses. You know it's incredible. To think about it. Grab hold of this. The disciples didn't fully understand the um, crucifixion of Jesus, and they really didn't understand the resurrection. But when Jesus says you're witnesses of these things, yes, it includes the crucifixion, but it includes the resurrection. What is the importance of the resurrection? Well, what is one of the important things of the resurrection? It proves that Jesus is who he said he was. You know, anybody can claim to be a, be a Messiah, anybody can be crucified. But again, a man who can get up on the third day after being slaughtered is somebody other than just a man. He is the Christ, he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And Jesus says to these men and to us tonight, we are witnesses of these things. Every time we gather together on Sunday, we must, we must, we must celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That would be a very good place for an amen. We must not let anything happen Steal, us, steal away from the gift that God has given us and the power of the resurrection. I mean, when, when our team gets up and leads us in worship, everything we have, whether we like the loudness of the music or it's too soft, whether it's too light or too dark, too cold or too hot, it does not matter. When we gather together, church family, we should celebrate. My goodness, they worshiped on hillsides with no air conditioning. We should celebrate. We should be witnesses in our life and witnesses in our church and witnesses when we go. Well, this is where it gets a little strange. At the request of someone, I was supposed to sing tonight. And so what I want to ask you to do is keep it in mind what we talked about when Jesus appears to them. Now, let me just replay a little bit. Keeping in mind that Jesus starts replaying for them and says, I'm not a ghost. I'm, I'm really resurrected. Um, keep it in mind replaying the thought, the idea, give me a piece of fish and I'll eat it and I'll prove to you that I'm real. Put, you know, Touch the scars on my hands, feel all that and you'll know that I'm real. And he opens the scriptures and begins with Isaiah 53 and, and the Passover and the sacrificial system and the promise in the garden and, and Psalm 24 and other great psalms. You're witnesses of these things. I would like for you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to sing, it's an old, it's an old song a very old song and i want you to put yourself there i want you to put yourself there
1: were you there when they crucified my lord were you there when they crucified My Lord, oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, 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 oh. sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Yes, were you there when they nailed him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And were you there when God raised him from the tomb? Were you there when God raised him from the tomb? Oh, 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 sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when God raised Him from the tomb?
0: With your head bowed, we weren't there, but we were there in a very special way. Because when these events occurred, they were looking forward to a day when you and I would be alive and live. And we see forgiveness. Over in Acts chapter eight, excuse me Acts chapter one, verse eight. Listen carefully one more time. Dr. Luke's still writing, different books, same author. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where you live, in Judea, in the areas surrounding, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. It's awfully easy to say, it's the missionary's job, Dwayne, it's the missionary's job, yeah? Well, there's around 4,200 missionaries, and there's 1.68 billion lost people in the world, and that means every missionary is responsible for 3,809,523 people. Those aren't good odds. And if it was your son and your daughter Waiting in line for one missionary to tell one of 3,809,523 people, that would probably be pretty discouraging. No, it's our responsibility to pray, it's our responsibility to give, and it is our responsibility to go. And when Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, 9 11, I call it God's 9 11. And when he had said these things, Jesus, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And brothers and sisters, he's coming back. Amen? He's coming back. So let's share the good news. Let's make sure that we are the profiteers, the the, the prophets, the, the voices of God's Word, the missionaries that God's called us to be here, there, and around the world. Because the good news is just too good to keep to ourselves. Dave, I do want you to come up and play something for us. Would you do that, please? And I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Let's end this day in prayer. This, you could call this a decision time, an invitation time. I'd be glad for someone in your heart to pray with you. Maybe God spoke to your heart about something tonight. But maybe it's a time just to thank Him. As you think about the writings of Moses or the Psalms or the prophets. Or you now, as we have the, the entire Bible and we think of the New Testament. Maybe tonight's just a good time to thank Him. For all that he has done. And God we are so grateful. For what you have done. So as we meditate. As we think. As we close out this day. Father speak to our hearts. May we be the spokespeople you want us to be. Father may we live, live as if we were there. We saw him on the cross. We saw him laid in a tomb. And we, we did see him. we were in that room with the disciples that night. And we saw it as he ate the fish. As he invited us to touch his wounds. May it be that real to us. And may we share the incredible good news. Now, Again, as day plays, I'll be quiet. Let's end this day thanking God for the greatest gift ever. His Son, Jesus Christ.